0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein
1: and Jack Hardim. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the show, my friends. New and improved, live from the studio, Chorus Headquarters, Queens Key. Oh my God, how the world has changed. COVID is officially over because we're in Hi-Fi Radio. I can't believe it. It has been almost two and a half years, almost three years since we've been away from this beautiful place. And uh, boy, does it ever feel good to be home. Hope your weekend's going well. It is Saturday night show about money Hi-Fi Radio, Jack Hartle. By my side literally, smaller studio. Post-covid we can, well, we can rub shoulders, eh Jack?
2: Absolutely, Wolf. It is nice to be in the studio and I think that the listeners are going to are in for a great show today.
1: Well, they are uh, our first guest, Mr. Derek Delay, consumer products analyst, head of research at Canaccord. Such a young fella, rising the ranks real quick because he has such a big uh, as part of the uh, Canadian uh, OPCO uh, working, it sounds like OPEC. You work for OPEC, uh, Derek? <laughs> I do not work for, for OPEC.
3: I'm on the OPCO, but I don't work for OPEC.
1: Oh, the OPCO, there we go. <laughs> well, Jack Jack does a rig count for me every uh, every month. He flies out to Calgary and counts drill rigs, so why not? If You, you can work for OPEC if you like. Uh, but you do work closely with the head of capital markets and the head of global distribution on uh, a multitude of strategic initiatives. Uh, you've been with the company since 2008 eight. Uh Jack, when did you not join? It was oh nine.
2: We were two thousand
1: nine. We were two thousand nine. Yeah. So we've been partners for good golly, well over a decade now, Derek. Uh, you've done a great job. And uh well, you're doing your CFA charter holder justice, I shall say. I <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um Derek, again you're focusing on the consumer. Uh a recession is upon us. Uh, next year will be the year of the recession. This is the year of inflation. Um, it was. It was interesting. Jack and I had dinner. Um, with Morgan Stanley, uh, one of their chief strategists. And uh, the chief strategist is extremely keen on the consumer. He thinks the consumer still has a nice cushion of, of, of pent-up savings uh, and a propensity to want to live in a post-COVID world. Uh, you know, as excited as Jack and I are to be in the studio today, well, American consumers feel the same way. They want to go out and do stuff and spend money. Recession, what recession is sort of the mantra. Uh, can you speak to that?
3: yeah absolutely so I mean, what we saw within the consumer space over the last call it you know two two and a half years is look we we break the consumer space into two segments, consumer discretionary and consumer staples, and what happens typically in in um, in times of sort of weaker economic uh, economic growth, is the the staples which are heavily skewed in Canada towards the the three large grocers. They tend to outperform, and certainly during COVID, while everything was shut down, you know the grocers had a phenomenal run. Uh, given the fact that look, you couldn't li- you literally could not go out for dinner, so people were eating more at home. Sure, there was some takeout happening, but for the for the most part, people were at home, had time, were cooking at home, and were using the grocers, whether that be going into lining up and going into the physical stores or using. Uh, what was an expanding online presence or you know pick and collect or or even uh, uh, grocery delivery? In Canada, which has really jumped over the last couple of years, so the grocers all did, did very, very well uh, over the course of the pandemic. You know we saw like same store sales in in the neighborhood of twenty percent plus for a lot of the names. Our view more recently is, is that's all started to roll, so now they're all facing challenging comps because they had such good years over the last two years. There's just no way that they can continue that growth in a more normalized environment where now there are more options for consumers. That's number one, and then number two. The grocers tend to do very well in periods where inflation is moderate. Two, three, four percent is actually really good for the grocers because they pass through price increases. There's no real trade down effect by the consumers and they're able to expand their margins. But when you look at inflation on the food side now at, you know, double digit levels, 10, 11%, that's a problem because the grocers can't pass all that price increase onto the consumers. There's going to be pushback from consumers, especially given the fact that everything else has become more expensive. So, you know, we think the grocers have out have now peaked and we're going to start to see them roll and we're starting to see that already they trade at uh, valuation levels that are about a standard deviation and a half above their historical average so they're expensive is what i'm saying mm-hmm. so our view now when we think about the consumer is we've shifted our strategy away from being more defensive and owning you know, plays like the grocers to being more offensive. And it's exactly to your point, um, Wolfgang, where you said there's still a lot of pent-up savings from, uh, from the pandemic. And while there is a, a presiding view that the consumer spending environment might be challenged as we head into an inflation, we frankly have not seen that, that show up yet. So we're, we like names that are kind of a beneficiary of, of what we call a reopening trade. And the one that really sticks out to us is a company called Aritzia. Which is a um, everyday luxury fashion retailer based out of Vancouver, but now with over you know, almost fifty stores in the U.S. and sixty-seven stores in Canada. This is a name that's been growing, you know, phenomenally well. They've got a, an expanding e-commerce platform that now makes up over a third of their revenue, and the U.S. growth has been phenomenal. The U.S. revenue for Aritzia is now over fifty percent, even though the store base is only about you know thirty-five, forty percent. So the U.S. stores are performing, you know, better than the Canadian stores, and they're a company that does benefit from uh, sort of this reopening or what you said, people going out, people going back to the office, people going out for dinner, people going to a concert or going to a party at a friend's house on the weekend. That's really where Aritzia kind of focuses their brand and, and their clothing is, is built for those types of events and engagement. And this is a name that, uh, in our view, um, you know, has a lot of long-term growth ahead of it. They just had a very uh, well-received investor day where they outlined a five-year strategy a couple of weeks ago in Vancouver but even over the near and medium term we just think there's a lot of tailwinds for this company and again given our positioning moving to offense versus defense Aritzia is a name that really stands out for us
1: I'll tell you a couple other stocks that really stood out and, and do stand out from a deep value point of view not along the names and then <clears throat> Tony uh, to Derek you don't cover the names by the way if you just tuning in Derek Delays joined uh, Jack and I on Hi-Fi Radio consumer products analyst head of research at Canaccord uh, a delight and a treasure to have him as a partner and on the show today um, <clears throat> And Disney uh, totally took it on the chin with its quarterly results. Um, uh, who's the other one, Jack, that we're paying attention to? Uh, same space. Um,
2: There's been a oh, few Nike. Nike. Okay.
1: Nike's the other one. Big inventory issues there with Nike. Uh, stocked down on the mat. Again, once a consumer discretionary darling. Um But I want to pivot for a nanosecond in terms of, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about consumers and and pass along inflation. Uh, We just uh, witnessed uh, Halloween 2022, and each and every year they do it to us again. You know what I'm talking about, shrinkflation extraordinaire. Why don't they just blow some air in the, in the, in the wrapper and call it done? Uh, we don't have much, they're not giving you much more. When is a consumer going to push back on that shrinkflation? And again, with all the food inflation that we have witnessed, you're certainly seeing less protein being served at the restaurants, yet prices continue to rise. Uh, eating out has become very, very costly. Uh, any research, any direction on that? Again, I put that beside McDonald's hitting all-time highs.
3: I think we're going to see it, right? I mean, um, we've already seen the grocers, two of them come out and announce price freezes on their private label strategy, that being Loblaws and Metro. Uh, and that's all because of, like you said, pushback from the consumers saying, look, uh, prices can only go up so much. We, we know, at some point, uh, we're not going to have any money left over to do anything else other than feed ourselves and shelter ourselves. So you are starting to see that. And, you know, a company like McDonald's, which has done well throughout this period, um, this period. Uh, to me, it kind of makes sense, right? It's focused on the on a value end product. Even though I, I couldn't I don't know what a Happy Meal costs now, but I'm sure it costs double what it cost 15 years ago. It's still viewed as a as as a as a value offering versus you know a typical uh, limited service or limited service restaurant or even uh, you know a high end restaurant, right? So those are the names that tend to kind of do well um, in this period from the from the restaurant side. The big issue facing you know a lot of the a lot of the, the QSR the restaurant operators again it's just it's it's While we are seeing more people return to the office, uh, not everybody is going in five days a week. Uh, I just had a company report this Mm -hmm. morning that really talked about sort of the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, getting close to normal, but... Monday, Friday, down 70% from a traffic perspective versus pre-pandemic levels. And where that's a challenge is, is particularly on the QSR side where breakfast is a very big offering and breakfast tends to skew to people that are on their way to work. Breakfast is super high margin because there's usually a coffee uh, sold with breakfast and coffee in a lot of cases can be 80, 90% gross margin for uh, a lot of QSR operators and tends to lead to a very sticky repeat customer. You know, typically if you're stopping at a Tim Horton's, uh, on, on your way into work, you're doing that five days a week. So if you're only going in two or three days a week, well, all of a sudden the traffic is down 60%, right? So that's something that we we certainly keep an eye on. But I, I think you are starting to see um, the consumer wallet becoming increasingly stretched and, and the period of, um, you know, inflation on pricing and menu boards, I think is done. And then certainly today in the U.S., we had, a, or sorry, this week in the U.S., we had a, a bit of relief on that inflation front um, with the number coming in a little bit lower than uh, what many economists expected, which is what's kind of drove the, the strong stock price, the pre- stock market performance over the last half of the week.
2: Yeah, well, and I would just build on that Halloween comment that you made. My kids went out, uh, we they got buckets and buckets of, of candy, but when I pulled it out and looked at it, <laughs> they could... The buckets uh, of air, <laughs> the buckets say, of packaging. Yeah, it was Reese Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Slims. The so i am going to say, no. marketing is still working, it's still very effective, uh, and the kids were very happy at Halloween. But um, just just looking at the grocers, Derek, uh, you mentioned about the price freeze and it's being very seasonal. Um, Is that not something that they do on a seasonal basis around this time of year? And is there any concerns that you have about antitrust? Uh, Because I know that the government is investigating, I guess, profiteering from this high inflation. And honestly, I just think that inflation, they're just trying to pass it on through as best that they can.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. So um, no, it's not, you don't typically get a seasonal price freeze, uh, or certainly not one that's kind of like, broad based across the board on the on the on the on the private label side. Like for example Loveless came out and said we're doing price freezes on our no name brand. I've never seen that before. So that's hmm. that is a bit unique. Um Look, I, I would agree with you 100%. I don't think there was price gouging or collusion. These grocers are faced with the same level of inflation on their input costs that we're seeing uh, on the retail side, and and you know they they have to try and pass that through. Whether that's passing it through fully to the consumer or going back to their suppliers and trying to negotiate concessions with the suppliers, which then just challenges the suppliers one level down uh, on the value chain. Um, you know, it's just been a very, very challenging environment. I mean, we're not used to seeing uh, seven, eight, nine percent inflation in in Canada over the last 40 years. So it's it's been something that's been very difficult to navigate. And that's just on the food side. The other side of the inflation ca- uh, spectrum that has been very, very prevalent, and and every consumer company that I speak with or deal with is talking about it, is on the labor side. Labor. We've seen labor inflation. We've seen labor shortages. So that's another area of uh, of cost. Um, input inflation that we're seeing across the board hi-fi
1: radio show about money 640 toronto live in the studios finally COVID is officially over uh inflation has you by the uh you know what i got an idea for you learn to cook i'm back at george brown college on the weekend taking my culinary courses cooking bags of rice and well saving bags of money Stay tuned. We'll start right after this.
0: Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. 640
4: Toronto. Does they moving fast, heads up, mind that blast it's hard
0: to sleep? It's Defcon 1, can't get no sleep. That's no time to fear. It's DEF One, no time to eat. So get me some big Mac fries to go. Give me big Mac fries to go. Give me big Mac fries to go. Give me big Mac, give me
1: fries to go. Watchman. Welcome back to the show. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto, live from the studio. So excited to be back in this beautiful broadcast facility right here at the bottom of the city, Lake Ontario. Well, right through that condominium, that's where she is. Right through that condo. Building a condo down here, by the way, with, uh, not MDF board, oriented strand board, it looks like. They're not pouring concrete on the floors and using rebar. They're putting in these big uh, prefabricated uh, oriented strand board, I don't know. Units, I shall say. Very interesting. I have to send a photo of that to Brad Lamb. and uh, Brett Lamb, uh, Lamb Developments, get uh, their opinion on it. Uh, Jack, of course, your call is they're trying to? Like everyone else, Wolf, they're trying to save money. They're trying to save money as they build, well, tall towers. But uh, hope hope it's... You know, Toronto used to be a city that was c- continuously uh, catching fire, constantly burning because, of course, all the coal and uh, fires in people's homes. The city was constantly on fire, constantly on fire. Anyways, that was then, this is now Derek DeLay, consumer products analyst with Canaccord, head of research at the company, um, CFA holder, uh, Bretton Woods, Top Gun analyst. What a treat to have him uh, spend some time with us uh, today. Uh, where do we go? D- the consumer, the consumer, the consumer. Uh, you know, Derek, have you looked at the math uh, on mortgages uh, and what happens when you have to go from a 2% mortgage rate to a 5% mortgage rate? Do you know what happens to your monthly premiums?
3: Well, I mean, look, the the big thing there, and it, from what you know, the the way the mortgage market works is, um, as you see, if you have a floating rate, first of all, right? If you see the, if you see your mortgage rate go higher, typically you just wind up paying less principal, more interest per payment, until you reach what's called a trigger rate. When you reach when you reach the trigger rate, your entire monthly payment actually gets reset higher, and that's the big issue. So that's you know, when when the trigger rate happens, that's when it's literally more cash out the door every month for consumers, and certainly. That is something that um, is is feeding into this uh, inflation narrative and and this expectation of what could be a more challenging um, you know market going forward. And again, uh, up from a consumer spending point, but the way we view it, and, and if we go back to you know two thousand and eight, the um, the financial crisis. Uh, the The consumer names that that tended to outperform in that period of challenging in that case it was a challenging economic environment, in this case it's a challenging inflationary environment are we take a barbell approach. So the value names tend to do well, which I think is is relatively obvious, but then the higher end names or luxury goods retailers also tend to do very, very well and it's it's a relatively simple reasoning you know those that are um, um, you know more more well off or higher income tend to be able to manage these periods a little bit better. So if you're someone that, you know, can, goes and shops at, uh, LV, LVMA, you know, at yep. I, on my It's on my radar.
1: It's, it's funny you say that because L V M H Louis Vuitton, Moet, Chardon. And I just got, someone just gave me a bottle of not period. By the way, Derek, you come by my house that's in a week right. and I'll share it with you, buddy. Right. You don't live too far away from it. I'm not kidding, but it's going to go quick. I can also <laughs> forewarn you on that. But no, uh, that's a, the, one of the analysts at Morgan Stanley, Canaccord's partner, by the way. What a partner we have there, Jack. We're very lucky. Uh, he pointed LVMH out to me. He also pointed out to me Ferrari. Derek, you know what he said about Ferrari? You're going to love this. He said Ferrari has, first of all, a backlog or back order. Uh, and more importantly, it has such a strong brand. They can raise prices significantly and their consumers won't care.
3: And they and they said that on their most recent quarter a couple of weeks ago. It was a fantastic quarter. And the stock's done very, very well. On the back of that, I mean, they have tremendous brand power. They're sold out of all their new year, uh, new model products, yep. and uh, you know they generate gross margins north of fifty percent because yep. of that brand power, right? So you think of a Ferrari or an LVMH. Again, they cater to that that ultra ultra high net worth individual who, again, is is sure, certainly feeling a squeeze, but you know a, a lot less of a squeeze on the, a squeeze on their overall discretionary dollars. So yeah,
1: Zuckerberg lost a bit of money in the last uh, nine months, eh, Jack? <laughs> Jack's been telling you what Zuckerberg's <laughs> Absolutely. lost. Absolutely,
3: I, I think Amazon's
2: lost like a trillion dollars. In value, unbelie- yes. Yeah, the value. But, a trillion. Uh, just, just pivoting there with the, the Ferrari, part of their, the thesis there, I believe, is the fact that they can also go to, as they transition into electric vehicles, it's a lot cheaper to produce electric vehicles. They can still sell at the same price point, hence gross margins continue to rise. But uh, just looking at the, the electric vehicle and the transition, Derek, you cover uh, Couch Tard. Uh, how does that, you know, gas stations, convenience stores, how does that fit into the world going electric?
3: Yeah, look, that's the big question uh, when you think of the, these gasoline retailers or these convenience store operators. Koochard being, you know, one of the leaders globally, you know, number two behind 7-Eleven. We think Koochard is actually very well positioned for this new um, acceleration of electrification for a couple of reasons. Number one, they have the leading market share in in Norway through an acquisition that they completed in 2012, and Norway is the world leader in electric in in electric vehicles on the road. About 25% of every new car, 25% of new cars sold are electric and 50% of cars on the road are electric. There's a whole host of reasons why that's the case in Norway.
1: Sorry, sorry, Derek. Did you say 50% of cars on the road in Norway are electric?
3: Yeah, and there's there's a number of reasons behind that. Um, it's one huh. the market is heavily subsidized. Uh, there's a lot of um, charging infrastructure already built up within that country, and you know there's and then there's little things. If you drive an electric car, you can drive in an HOV lane even if you're one person. So you know the market is is, is has been has been well set up
1: to avoid all those traffic jams in Norway.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more sleds,
1: huskies, skidoos perhaps. Maybe that's why they don't have any roads.
3: It's, well, also, it's tundra. We cover, we cover a company, Taiga Motor Corp, which uh, is producing the world's first commercial electric snowmobile, and it's actually you know available for sale now. They've they've shipped off uh, you know um, about fifty or so of those products over over the last couple quarters. So that's an interesting market that's becoming electrified as well, the power sports market. But when you look at the uh, the gasoline market, and there's there's a couple takeaways. So you know when you when you go and charge your car, it takes about half an hour versus, you know, one and a half minutes to fill up a a tank. So typically that leads to greater conversion of an in-store sale. And what Coostart has done in Norway is they've set up their convenience stores to look almost like mini cafes or restaurants because the consumer is charging their car for half an hour. They're going to go in, grab a coffee, grab a sandwich, whatever the case may be. And they've been able to capitalize on that. And then secondly, when you think about some of the larger, and this is where you have to be very selective, but when you think about some of the larger well capitalized operators in the space kushter being you know the leader in that in, in that front in our view if we get to a, an environment in 15, 10 15 years where gasoline consumption is declining i don't know 2 3% a year so it's down 10% over over 5 years what's going to happen is the independent operators, which still make up the vast majority in North America in terms of gasoline operators, they're the ones that are going to feel the pinch first and likely go out of business first. And in that scenario, sure, you know, volumes are down 10%, but the the guy across the street just closed shop. So, His volumes are down 10%. Where do do those other 90% of volumes go? Well, they're going to go to the best capitalized player. So I actually think in that type of environment in the early stages, these well-capitalized larger convenience store operators with a good focus on fresh food and a a high-margin business on the in-store are actually going to be net beneficiaries as that transition period occurs.
1: Well, you know, buying an electric vehicle still remains a... I don't know how to phrase it. You can't see inventory. There is no inventory. You must order sight unseen, uh, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, everything Michael Hainsworth has been talking about on this show with us uh, may make it easy to purchase an electric vehicle, but we are still not there yet. But we are transitioning in that direction. have got to pay attention to it. A um, couple other stocks that we do own, by the way, we are along Couch Tard uh, in our uh, growth and balance portfolios, I believe, Jack, full disclosure there. Uh, we do own a big chunk of Tim Hortons, QSR. We do, yeah. Derek, we build on that. You know, Derek, I don't like their product. I think, I think actually fast food is terrible. Uh, again, I'm a culinary snob. I like good-tasting, wholesome food, and it's a pleasure to learn about food. And you do save money when you learn how to cook. You make better food, you eat better food, and you save money. Uh, so this is this is a money show, and if I can save you money, well, it's like making money. Um, so we like QSR, but the other one is Dollarama. Um, you've been a bit lukewarm on the stock; it continues to work, uh, but technically showing a bit of you know Javet or technician thinks it may be showing signs of cracking. Uh, we are long the stock, Derek uh, Dollarama. Uh, can can you give us some thoughts on the position?
3: Yeah, look, um, you know, my view is it's it's a value based retailer that you know should perform well in this type of environment and it has you know, my, my sort of lukewarm view on it is is strictly focused on valuation. It's it trades at a very high premium multiple. You know, 27, 28 times earnings for a company that's going to grow earnings kind of you know mid teens. That's that's you know from a, from what we look at as analysts a peg ratio yep. that doesn't doesn't quite add up to us. So it's more of a valuation call. I get it. it's it's a phenomenal company with, that generates you know 20% ROIC annually, which is which is fantastic for a corporate owned uh, for a store that owns uh, for for a company that owns corporate stores. It's, it's uh, best, second best in class next to Aritzia. Um, so it's a name that's done very, very well, and I think it's a name if you have it in your portfolio and you own it over the next five or ten years, you're, you know, you're going to sleep well at night. My view in the near term is it, it, it is expensive and there's going to be some, some gross margin headwinds in the next couple quarters as they ramp up uh, a new distribution center in Toronto and then the appreciation of the US dollar versus the Canadian dollar is going to have a, an inflationary impact on their input costs because they, they tend to buy the majority of their um, their their cost of goods sold or their products in, in USD. We also
1: picked up, I know Jack wants to get in, we also picked up some Monster beverage. Very expensive consumer staple, if it is a staple, I guess it is, relative to Pepsi, but boy, the thing has legs to it. And we also bought some TGX. That's what I was going to um, mention. Yeah.
2: You talk about, you talk about about, uh, discounting stores and inventory rising. So we go from supply chain issues to massive in- increase in inventories. Uh, TJX is certainly a company that we believe will benefit from that. Uh, what, what's your view on that, Derek?
3: See, that's a good point. The inventory point's a good point. So first of all, it benefits on that that barbell approach theme that we've been discussing here today. But secondarily, you know, you've got companies like Nike, um, like Target, like Walmart, uh, like Macy's, like Nordstrom's that all reported massive inventory um, yep. uh, I- increases and, and and said we're going to be heavily discounting in, in the over the holiday period. So I think you're right right a lot of that could flow down into a company like an offsell retailer like uh, like a TGX um, that should be able to benefit from getting uh, increased access to inventory and uh, likely is it's a pretty good setup for the quarter.
1: It is Hi-Fi Radio. Derek DeLay spending some time with us this Saturday night. Derek, Kent, thank you enough. Uh, you're a great partner uh, to Jack and I and, of course, to the and Bay Street partners, which is, of course, you are listeners. Uh, have a great weekend, my good friend. We're going to check in with Tony Dwyer, our chief investment strategist, live from New York, right after this break. Stay tuned.
0: Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment.
1: On 640 Toronto.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Oh, yes, indeed, we know that
3: people will find
1: Welcome back, my friends. That is, listen to what the man says. The man is Tony Dwyer, frequently seen on CNBC. A little home studio where we see his mug on his daily updates, which are excellent. It's a treat that we receive those little vignettes from you, Tony. Uh, yes, you are head of U.S. macro group and chief market strategist. You sit on the firm's U.S operating committee i said that about derek delay i said derek what's opco is that you, you work for OPEC or something He <laughs> <You> laughed. <laughs> there you go you're getting it tony anyways uh you landed i hope you had a safe flight and beautiful day for flying eh? sure was good for you
4: it was beautiful day for the market good good year-end rally
1: yeah santa claus uh coming to town a bit early. In fact, uh, I think last week we played some uh, Christmas music, didn't we, Jack, on the show? Yeah, we lost. Yeah, Yeah, right after Halloween we're allowed to play Christmas (laughs) music and we're going to play it right through (laughs) to the end of the year, my good friend. Uh, You know, there's actually a station in in town, uh, the other broadcast network, I won't mention them, but uh, they they actually flip format uh, for the entire month of December, And according to uh, one of Mr. Rogers' favorite radio stations. And he said, no, for the month of December we will always play nothing but Christmas music and he's actually stuck to his guns. Uh, You know, really, he's programming from the grave. Good for him. Uh, but anyways, I, I digress, Tony. Uh Wow. Thursday, what a market rally. CPI, the inflation print, came in lower than expected. That's a good thing. The market loved it. It cheered. NASDAQ up, but 6% at its uh, strongest point of the day. Dow up hundreds of points, almost a thousand points. Actually, yeah, three percent. Wolf, quite the move, Tony. Uh, tell me something: Is the bear market over? <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> is the be- is the bear market over? New bull market begun, Tony, or is this a bull? Excuse me, a bear market rally?
4: Well, so Wolf, any time as you know from the stuff that we've sent out, any time that you've had the market, the S and P five hundred down so much for the first three quarters of the year. Um, since 1957, if you exclude the great financial crisis, which I don't think we're in, and all of the other currencies you had a gain for the fourth quarter, again, by not interim, intra-quarter, but by the end of the quarter, December 31st, you were up anywhere between 8 and 12%. So our call has been that we're going to have this year-end rally. We're in the midst of it. I think the market's up maybe 9% now for the quarter or something to that degree. And it could go up more, but ultimately, again, I think it's going to settle out somewhere between 8 to 12%. And then ultimately, unfortunately, I think we're going to go back to the lows. But for now, it's nice to enjoy a, a, a little bit of upside for a change.
1: Yeah, looking at the technicals of the charts, just the pictures, Plotted on my screen, uh, the S&P 500, friends at home, it's the, the S&P 500, if you don't know, it's the 500 largest companies in America. It's actually very fascinating. If you pick a company and you go to their website and just dig into what those businesses do incredible current companies they truly are to make the s&p 500 you have to know what you're doing as a business entity and often when clients jack you know they look into the companies that we buy for them and they do their own research they're actually astounded as to how many tentacles how far reaching those businesses are and they are for the most part multinational business and that's been part of their complaint this year strong u.s dollar when they repatriate their their, their uh, sales from europe and from the far east back into american dollars they're actually getting less money but again that the strong us dollar tony inflation uh the bear market the rotation much of that is 20, well all of that is the theme of 2022 uh 2023 of course will be a new year and it will of course I believe have a new theme. Jack, you believe the theme will be the year of the recession? Uh to- I, I don't think
2: I'm alone with that one, Wolf. I think that's the consensus view and looking at the CPI number that came out today, so the inflation number in the US, I would also say that uh, inflation was a story of 2022 as you've mentioned a couple of times. That will not be the story. It has rolled over. We're going to see the economic weakness because there is a delayed reaction for these uh the central banks are raising rates as aggressively as they have. The question is, and I think the market is looking through, I I think some of this uh, inflation for the time being, the big question is, is the Fed going to be able to stick the landing and have a soft landing for a recession? And honestly, I don't believe so because I think rate of change matters a lot in our business and they've been exceptionally aggressive in terms of their uh, hiking policy yeah. this year so well, you tony- want to see
1: something to break too. you're looking for something to break jack tony so what do you think tony uh, do we have to wait for something to break before the market ultimately makes a low well, what is going to signify what, what are you waiting for to feel confident that yeah market low is in now we can reset the deck for the next cyclical bull market
4: all right so let me frame it up uh i i think you guys did a great job jack that was a, an excellent summary so you get but what we're in right now is what i've I phrased as the temporary sweet spot. And the sweet spot just refers to you had an extreme oversold condition that we identified on October 3rd, and, and an extreme, well, I call it a whoosh, you know, when the market was getting so hit. And then what happens is that because the Fed rate hikes work with a lag, in other words, it takes time for it to really impact the economy, as, as Jack said, what happens is you get into the sweet spot where you start to see slowing inflation data, you start to see slowing economic data. And then there's the hope that maybe the Fed can do what Jack suggested, which is stick us, stick the landing, and make for a soft landing. Now that would be historically unique for us to not, for the U.S. to not have a recession when the various yield curves are doing what they're doing. So we're in that sweet spot where it feels good, inflation's not as bad. Maybe the Fed will take their foot off the brake a little bit, but ultimately um, you're going to end up so. We've been in, the, it's a bad news is good news, because it means the Fed could back off a lot, but eventually in 2023, you're going to have bad news is bad news when you realize the recession.
2: So I would say the one thing that's really been a highlight, I think, especially in the U.S. economy, is employment data. And I know that's a lagging indicator, so it lags the real economy. But, Tony, I will say my wife is in recruiting down in the U.S., and it's actually with a lot of private equity. Uh, and she's not as busy as she was back in the summer, but... Or Employment remains very robust down there. What's your view on that? Is in terms of, um, I guess, inflationary pressures, but also the potential for it to maybe be a, a softer or, or less deep recession down in the U.S.?
4: What well, we're in is a situation where the uh, economy, the Fed raised rates in a historic way into a generationally levered system. Tony,
1: i tell you what. Um, I hope you're not on fire. Uh, I hope you're safe. Uh, well, let's take a quick yeah, break. Okay. Let's, let's take a quick break. Maybe they can throw some water in the fire. Stop pulling those fire alarms, will you, Tony? Come on, stop it. Uh, gotta grow up to with- Oh, there he goes again. It's iFi Radio Show About Money. Tony, live from Wall Street. Uh, giving his uh, views on the market. A little rally going on here. It feels good, but we don't want to get too uh, cute uh, and too comfortable with the perhaps temporary change in direction. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. here. right back to Tony Dwyer, Chief Investment Strategist at Canaccord. Jack Hartle by my side. The show is Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto.
0: Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto.
1: I'm going to say, hey, Tony! Tony, are you there? Tony! I'm here, buddy. Tony, you're yeah. from Napoli. Have you been to Napoli, Tony? I have. It's, it's, they they loved you in Napoli, and you love Napoli, don't, right? Am I, not, am I not correct? I can just tell they love a guy like of you in Napoli. Of course, buddy, of course. What, what a, oh, good golly. <laughs> yeah, COVID's over. You know, it's official today, because Jack and I are in the studios, back in the studios. They finally let us in, mask-free. Uh, Place to sanitize. We're feeling great. And the consumer... Uh, according to Morgan Stanley, according to Derek DeLay, I think according to many, the consumer is still itching to have fun. And, uh, you know, uh, Martin Roberge, our other chief strategist, had a nice chat with him this week, uh, Jack and uh, Tony. And Martin came back from a nice European vacation. Uh, outside of the euro he was traveling, he said the currencies were so cheap, so good, so cheap, as my son Elliot would say. My son Ellie, by the way, folks, last uh, fall, he was 18 in Trump on to skiing in Quebec and he left the room, came back with a six pack. Hmm. And I don't know what it was, Bush or something. I said, what do you drink? Oh my god, Daddy, this beer is so good and so cheap here. So good, so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Tony, so uh if you wanna you know, I, I suggest to people uh, go to Europe. Uh use the strong currency. Uh if you have US dollars you can convert them. Uh take the Canadian dollar and convert it. Uh the euro is cheap. The US dollar is supreme. Uh my call, Tony. And am uh, I going to make a call? I'm going to make a call. U.S. dollar is going down next year. Okay, lower lower U.S. buck. Tony, what do you think? U.S. buck lower next year?
4: That's, that's part of the sweet spot we're in. The, the lower U.S. dollar coupled with lower U.S. yields equals higher U.S. stocks. And that's what we're seeing after the consumer price index this year. And it's really going to depend upon whether inflation is going to be sticky. Right now, the market's very excited that there's a clear sign of a peak in inflation. But will it get down to the level that the Fed needs? That will be is what Jack and I were referring to early next year. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but
1: Jack, you and I were talking this morning in our office. We we're actually having a good chat this morning, and we we're talking about first of all Tony's lines he comes up with swishes and wishes. Yeah, you have your own lingo. I like it, Tony. Stick to your lingo, because then Jack was laughing. Morgan Stanley's lingo: fire and ice. We're living in a fire and ice environment. Um, but yeah, the fire. The fire is the,
2: the inflation, d- and the ice is the economy, Wolf, and that comes from Morgan like Stanley, which is like our it. partner. And uh, higher U.S. dollar. You would need the for the time being. You would need something to break, and it will take time for that to happen. For this part of the cycle, I believe we have seen uh, the high in the U.S. dollar. We actually have a few contrarian indicator clients that were, <laughs> were, were telling us how strong the U.S. dollar was about two weeks ago. I said to Wolf, I said, "Oh, that is it. It's over for the U.S. dollar. Markets are going to go higher, and that's part of um, that's part of the economy." I'm going to say economic conditions for the economy easing. So we have on the back of lower hmm. CPI, lower inflation numbers, you have a, a weaker US dollar, you have weaker rates. And in, in the face of that, you actually have technology, which has underperformed year to date and was well oversold yet a bit. And like I said, the NASDAQ was up 6% on Thursday. The Dow was only up three and the Dow has led throughout the year.
1: You know, and again, I, I perhaps I was a bit of a contrarian, Tony. You'll, you'll, you'll laugh. I sold my final tech stocks. Three days ago, I was right for twenty four hours, <laughs> and then pop. Um, but without question, you know the diamonds, the Dow Industrial, the thirty old stalwarts of America, outperforming the S and P five hundred, outperforming the Nasdaq by a wide margin for the year. Wolf, uh, for, the for Nasdaq the
2: year, has outperformed for about fifteen years. So at the at periods of time. Things do need to mean revert, and that's what we're seeing right now with the, the Nasdaq. Right? right, it was well oversold. I do not believe that the Fang stocks will lead the next secular bull market.
1: Right. So, so next year, Jack, what do you think? Nasdaq, S and or Dow? Who's going to win it? I'm going to say the Dow. I would agree. Okay, Tony, what do you think? Dow, S and P, or Nasdaq? Next and actually, year? I
2: think uh, the TSX outperforms all three.
1: You think they? Have, okay, Tony, what do you think?
4: I, I I'm with the Dow. I'm with you guys on that one. I think we're all on the same page. And the Morgan and Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley with Fire and eyes. It's, <laughs> it's a different way, you know. He's a friend of mine. He's a good guy, and um, I got some great
1: people. Uh, I'm same. delighted with our relationship with Morgan Stanley. They got some great people. Boy, boy, it's giving us a, a nice edge. We're getting some okay. some some really good market intelligence. Getting a lot of good research felt uh, filtered to Jack and I. Very very helpful stuff. We ended up picking up some Monster Beverage. Tony, you ever drink that stuff, Monster Bev? No, I don't. Coffee's good enough for me. That's coffee's for closers. <laughs> well, um, you know, you know. The, yeah. n- another great movie on uh, Netflix, friends. Uh, I'm a big Netflix fan. And by the way, by the way, Netflix, Jack, you caught the stock when it was turning. You, you, you noticed the turn in that stock. But I me tell you something that they're doing so smart. Again, I'm all about, I like target marketing. I like branding. I understand that part of business very, very well. Um, uh, Stranger Things. Uh, Jack, have you watched it yet? I have you, not, no. Yeah, my but I think it has a female skew and a tween skew, but they're, 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 they're targeting tweens and they're also targeting mothers of tweens and they're doing that with music. Kate Bush was featured in, in last week's, um, or one of the episodes of Stranger Things, which my family's binging on. I have to leave. The sound effects are off the charts. More sound than video. It's unbelievable. Um, but Kate, Kate Bush Went back to number one on the charts in England because of her I- exposure on Stranger Things. So again, you know, I, I'm happy when artists can continue to recycle and, and rejuvenate uh, you know, their, their, or just line extend or, or life extend uh, their product. Kate Bush was a great artist that sort of went by the wayside and all of a sudden, well, uh, it takes Netflix to get her back up in the charts. Very, very cool stuff.
2: I would say the turn for Netflix was the fact that they're actually looking at doing subscriptions, right? And you're seeing that with technology now. The market is rewarding techno- technology companies that are showing profit or at least cutting expenses. Uh, What happened with Meta this week when they cut expenses? Cut expenses, yes, stock went up. Stock went up significantly, so the market is rewarding it. And I expect CEOs, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, the like, they're going to look towards profitability in technology. That's a theme for 2023. But so but so let's
1: stick with themes, Jack. And again, because this has been a long time coming. I should have played some tragic hip for us here. Uh, but that is growth over value. Growth stocks were the stay-at-home stocks. They were the DocuSigns. It was the Netflix. It was the Googles. It was the Fang stocks, the Apples. We all know the Amazons, of course, of the world. They, they've lost love. Uh, the question is, Tony, to you, Will they continue to lose more love? The growth stocks, the stay-at-home stocks, the revolutionary, game-changing, um, disruptive stocks for the old boring names. Uh, do you think that trend continues? Growth versus value? I value over growth next year.
4: I do. After this, you know, you get the sharpest rallies, as you guys know, in negative market environments. Yep. And you're getting the sharpest rally in these mega cap tech names and, yep. and you know the, the FANG names. Um, on the back of this uh, feeling that the inflation boogeyman is behind us, and that's good. But that, in our view, is remember that, you know, you guys know me, I like data, um, and the top 10 stocks, most of which are the big-name cap stocks that are running the market today, um, those are still 27% of the overall market capitalization, which is historically still extreme. So um, that's got to work its way down.
1: Well, the S&P 500, Tony, right now is flirting with about 3,900 points based on your work for an eight to 12% rally from the lows based on where the 200 day moving average is. Uh, yeah, I I would have to agree with you. The market looks like it perhaps has another two, 3% in it. Maybe 4,050 on the charts is what they're indicating. Maybe Santa stays in town for a little longer. I don't know. Um, tax loss selling. Of course, I don't know if that's done yet. I have a sense it's not done. Um, but anyways, it's never boring. Uh, Guys, it really isn't. No, it's Uh, not. And if we get bored, we go to Napoli. And by the way, Tony, the new thing that somebody picked up as well on Netflix, something called, I think it's called Coffee for the People or Coffee for Everyone. It takes place in uh, a uh, a cafe in Italy. There's an author writing a book. Uh, there's a barista who just came out of prison learning a new career. Uh, and they speak about the suspended coffee. And over here, what we do is we, we pay it forward by the car in front of you at QSR a Tim Hortons. You, you pay for their, uh, their, their meal. Actually, the guy behind you, I guess you'd pay for it. The guy behind you, you pay for it. So when they get up to Winter County, kind of, you're already paid for it. But in, in Europe, what they did, in Italy, what they did was a suspended coffee where you, you order two espressos and you only consume one. You leave the other one on the counter and then a homeless person could come in and enjoy a coffee. And all part of it, Italian culture is they believe it's a human right to consume coffee. I'm going to say cheers to that. Tony! Tony! What a pleasure to have you on the studio, my good friend.
4: All right. Have a great day, fellas.
1: Thank you, sir. Jack Hartle, partner, portfolio manager, Tony Dwyer, chief market strategist, spending some time with us on Saturday night. Joe's HiFi fi Radio each and every Saturday right here on 640 in Toronto. If any questions for Jack or I, we're always here for you. WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Send us a note, we'll get back to you. We're here to help you have more money. And don't forget, next, I guess it's next Thursday, will be the official Covenant Sleep House. Uh, go to Covenant House website, support the cause. There's a lot of homelessness, as you know, in this great city of ours. Please help your brothers and sisters uh, have a warm place to and a safe place to stay. They deserve it, you know it, so do I. Dig deep, help them out. We're here for you, be here for them. Have a great weekend, my friends. Speak to you next Saturday. Wolfgang Klein, Hi-Fi Radio, Jack Hartle. Good job.